Thank you for joining us in our study of Hebrews chapter 10. Today we begin with verse 19 here on the Radio Bible Course, and we invite you to get your Bibles open and follow along. Verse 19 reads, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This paragraph begins with the word therefore, as a result of what is written in verses 10, 12, and 17. All these are promises about what Christ has accomplished that he offered a single sacrifice for sin and sat down at the right hand of God. Therefore, brethren, we should have confidence. That's what the writer is emphasizing. And in verse 17 of this chapter, he said, I will remember their sins and their misdeeds no more. In verse 18, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, We ought to come boldly. The writer makes an assumption that the believer has boldness to enter the sanctuary. Now, what is the sanctuary? It is not a building on the earth. It is God's presence. Why then doesn't he write timidly or humbly? Can you come before God with boldness? You can, because entrance is by the blood of Jesus Christ, and Jesus is God's Son. He's the eternal God from heaven, God the Son who was sent to save the world. The one who ignores the blood would not dare approach God. The blood symbolizes his death for sins, his perfecting forever those who are saved, and because of that sacrifice, God will remember sins and iniquities no more. Can you with confidence approach the living God? Now, God is perfectly pure and holy, and if any man saw God, he would probably burn to death and be dissolved. But here we are told to come to the throne of grace with boldness. Therefore, brethren, he writes, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Faith is behind our approach to God and our confidence in God. Now, obviously, God values highly, or I should say supremely, what Christ did for sinners. And the writer also values it so much that he uses words that suggest the believer has a right to come before God. 
Do you have a right to approach God? We do. Christ fulfilled the requirements of the law. And it was God's law, so what more can be done than do what God demanded? God is satisfied with that sacrifice that Jesus Christ made, and you will also have to be satisfied before there can be any boldness before a holy, righteous, and a gracious God. Hebrews 4.16 said, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. We're not going to find justice there. Christ took our justice. He took what we deserve. Now, the writer describes it as a new and living way. The word new is not the common word in Greek for new. This word here, prophetos, originally meant freshly slain. That's appropriate for the sacrificed Lamb of God whose blood continues to be fresh. It continues to wash sinners as they believe in him. It was still fresh after 30 years. It is fresh after 1960 years. The blood of Jesus Christ shed there on Calvary is just as effective today as it was the day after he died. Now, why does the writer use the word living in verse 20? Listen to it again. By the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Perhaps he uses this word living for contrast with the old way. Was it living? No, it was dead. Everything about the sacrificial system in the Old Testament concerned death. Animals died. They were killed. But Jesus, our sacrifice, was raised from the dead. He is living, and he gave us a living way. What does the writer mean when he writes about the curtain being his flesh? Well, the curtain was the veil separating the Holy of Holies in the sanctuary in the tabernacle. The high priest alone could enter it only on the Day of Atonement. That happened only once a year, and he went into that Holy of Holies with blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people. God was being gracious by allowing that kind of a remedy, though it was temporary, a remedy for sin. But when Jesus Christ died, something else happened. We read in Matthew chapter 27, Verse 50, And Jesus cried again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, and appeared to many. In Hebrews 10, verse 20, the writer says, By the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. He makes a comparison between the curtain and the flesh. He seems to be saying that the flesh of Jesus was torn when he was nailed to that cross. 
and the curtain in the temple was also torn. That meant access to the presence of God in the Holy of Holies was now possible. Everyone could approach God. Now, an uncrucified Christ would mean no access to God. It would mean the veil still hangs as a barrier to all men. How contradictory for the Quran to state that Jesus did not die, and yet those people give approval to the Old and New Testaments. There are many religions in the world, but not many of them want to accept the facts of history and that which God has declared. The Old Testament predicted the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the Muslim religion rejects it. Yet they would have us believe that they respect the Old and the New Testaments. That is a lie. Be careful of it, friends. Do you see why we say that what Jesus did saves us? We're not saved by his teachings about morality and love. This is why believing Christians emphasize so much the cross work of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ. That's why Christians talk about sin and redemption. If you are not hearing that in your church, you are being robbed of God's truth. Jesus doesn't save us by his example or by you imitating him. You can't be saved by doing the things that Jesus did. You are not saved by his teachings. You are saved by his death. Paul emphasized that. He insisted on preaching the cross of Christ. He said, that's where the message is, and that's where the power is. If Jesus didn't die, then we are still dead in our sins. Someone had to pay. The Bible tells us that Christ came, and he paid. Now, this is why believing Christians give all this emphasis to the cross work of Christ. If Jesus had lived 1,000 years and then ascended to heaven... We could not be saved by studying or emulating his life. He had to die for us. Now, some men preach Christ, but Paul preached Christ crucified and resurrected. And I hope that's the message you're hearing on the Radio Bible course also. The way has been opened through the curtain. Well, who ripped that curtain in the temple? Could it have been a man? Well, hardly. He would have needed a ladder because it was quite tall, and ladders weren't allowed in there. The Bible tells us that it was ripped from top to bottom. That means that only God could have done it. Now, why did he do it? Because no longer could sin separate man from God. Sin's penalty was paid by Christ's single sacrifice, And the torn curtain symbolizes the entrance of all men into God's presence. That torn curtain was an announcement that the law had ended. That was the end of Judaism as far as God was concerned, because now the most holy place was exposed to the public eye. Now, there are people who won't let Judaism end and they want to sew together that curtain again. They do it 
when they bring the law into the church. And if you bring some of the law into the church, you must bring it all in. And if you bring it all in, it means you must have sacrifices again and priests and holy days and everything else that the law demanded. That's stapling or sewing the curtain together and pretending that Jesus Christ did not end the law, but the Bible tells us that he did. And we covered that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. Lo, I have come to do thy will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. We also got a glimpse of that when we were studying Hebrews chapter 7, for it told us in verse 12, For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Well, did the priesthood change? It did. Christ sent a new kind of a priest, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And since we have a new kind of a priest, there must be a new kind of a law. And there is a new law. Jesus gave us a new commandment, and that ended the old. Can you believe what the writer has said here in Hebrews 7:12, that there is a change in the law as well? If so, you will rejoice in the ripped curtain in the temple. In closing, I want to say that many people have written for our free Bible teaching memory program. Included are printed verse cards with passages every believer should know, along with hints on how to succeed in memorizing Scripture. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.